we're going to move on to number five now. Um, one that I'm a little excited for from Slug Farm on December 5th, 2021. And they ask, I was a high school kid when the weirdly liberal Pope John Paul I died after a month in office, actually 33 days in office, to be replaced by John Paul II, who fit right in with the Thatcher-Reagan era. At the time, we all knew he was murdered, but I haven't ever heard a satisfactory dive into the circumstances. I do recall a Vatican Bank money laundering scheme linked to P2 happening around the same time, dot, dot, dot. Well, as it happens, Slug Farm, you're in luck because there is a good source uh, that does a satisfactory dive into this. Um, and it's a book that coincidentally I've been reading a little bit over the last month or so. <laughs> Strangely enough, I'm kind of on deep background for some upcoming episodes of Demon Forces because uh, as weird as it might sound, there's a strong potential connection between the death of Pope John Paul I and the Liberian Civil War that uh, I will get into, you know, it, part of it might be out by the time people hear this episode, but, you know, for now, I'm just going to leave it at that, uh, basically. But the book that I found is called In God's Name, An Investigation into the Murder of Pope John Paul I by David Yallop. And um, you can find this book online. I forget if it's on archive.org or not, but... I'm probably like a quarter of the way through it. And I can already tell it's very fascinating stuff. And it definitely involves the Vatican Bank money laundering and the Propaganda Due Lodge, uh, mm -hmm. to say the least. Like, there is definitely some kind of angle in it. Especially this guy. I think maybe we brought him up a couple times before. But I think he might deserve to become a little more like a main character in, in you know, S.J. Lore. But Archbishop Paul Marcinkus from Cicero, Illinois, which is the Chicago kind of suburb that I think was like the headquarters of Al Capone, right? Mm. Um, and he was the head of the Vatican Bank for many years, I think particularly in the 1980s. And Sherman Skolnick, that crusty old muckraker from Chicago, wrote a lot of stuff about Marcinkus and all the shady stuff that he was involved in. Everything going from like the propaganda due, like the P2 scandal to, you know, kind of weird Iran-Contra stuff to money laundering uh, for various people and just a very, very shady individual. And like, I think also like the death of Michelle Sindona, we might've talked about, we might've referenced that before where he was, I think hung on Friars Bridge in London, right near like a Masonic lodge or something like that, in a very like, <laughs> ritualistic way to like send a message and stuff. But no, yeah, I think nobody really thinks about Pope John Paul I. I mean, we're both a little bit, uh, despite our kind of Catholic origins to some extent, maybe me a little more than you. But yeah, I mean, you went to Catholic school, although I was baptized. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I went to Catholic school and like and, you know, the Pope was Polish when I was growing up. And, you know, yeah. it's kind of like one of the few things I knew about him. But like, you know, he, he was at the Polish or that. I'm sorry. Like in terms of like famous Polish people when I was growing up, like he was yeah. like the I would still like say the he's one, one of the most famous Polish person people. Yeah. Of all time. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, yeah, and, I mean, uh, Anne Frank, very, she was Polish, right? I thought she was in the Netherlands. She was German-born, but was she Polish ethnically? I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. 
for some reason I had that idea. Yeah, but I, I, I guess it's I not true. Yeah, I guess you're right. So I don't think then it will only leaves Pope John Paul. Yeah. yeah, it's Pope and uh, Mary Curie, I guess. But uh, y- yeah, but you know, Pope John Paul, pretty big deal. Um, but I mean, we were both a little bit too young. We were too young. We weren't alive when you know Pope John Paul the first had his very very brief reign. Which got, I'm forgetting the exact year, but was it like 1979, I think, when Pope John Paul I uh, took office or, you know, assumed the papacy? It is true that he was weirdly liberal in certain ways, though I want to just spell like he was certainly not like a liberation theologist or something like that. He still was relatively conservative. That's the part of the book I have gone through is uh, kind of his stance on like the Vatican II reforms, which <laughs> were very hotly contested within the church. And, and continue you know, to people. be not only in the church, but yeah, in podcasts as well. <laughs> yes, exactly. Like The seat is vacant uh, still since Vatican II, yes. etc. I think yeah. also he was sort of known before coming Pope he was sort of known for providing a kind of very tortured logic, I, I'm pretty sure, for why basically like the church should not allow birth control. Or I think what it was is that privately he wanted the church to say that birth control was like okay, maybe at least for like married couples. He he privately felt like that like after Vatican II, that was very important. Because I think there was an Italian maybe an Italian referendum or something like that that was uh, considering whether to ban birth control or not. So the church kind of had to make a stand on it. And what ended up happening, I forget if it was Paul VI, I think, who maybe was the the pope uh, in this period, but he came down with basically like, nope, fuck that, nope, it's, it's sinful, you can't do it and stuff. And, you know, there were a lot of people in the church that were a little freaked out by this because especially with all the kind of tumult over the Vatican II liberal reforms and stuff like to sort of come out with a pronouncement like that when they knew that tons of Italians who were, you know, church-going Catholics used birth control and they were going to keep using it. They weren't going to stop using it because the church... So it's basically like you're putting it in a position where a huge chunk of the congregation is going to be like defying the Pope and the church and everything. And then that could be harmful for the overall kind of moral authority of the church, you know, if you kind of push it too hard and stuff. But then, like, when the Pope decided that, yeah, we're we're going to say it's not okay, I guess um, the future Pope John Paul I came out and gave, like, a very tortured kind of, like, we got to stick by the Pope and, like, respect, like, his decision and stuff like that. And I think maybe some people kind of ragged on him for that. So he wasn't, like, a total fire-breathing like radical kind of person, but he was a very humble, you know, priest and bishop and everything like that, like a very unlikely kind of guy, even more unlikely than Pope Francis in terms of like playing that role, like playing that role of like the humble, like servant of the people kind of thing and not like bawling out the way many bishops and cardinals really like to do basically, Mm -hmm. especially in Italy. So you know, so so he was seen as kind of like a cleaner kind of guy, and I'd have to read more. I mean, honestly, I think we should do a, probably do a whole episode on this book. Like, I think we should just read in God's name and like dive into the contours because I guarantee it's going to spin off in a bunch of like really sus like gladio ways. 
for access to the full-length episode, subscribe to the Hour of Frequency at patreon.com slash subliminal jihad. It's not enough and that's okay, you had the guts. You left an impression on everyone that you came across and that's holy, you're in our thoughts.